Okay, thank you and welcome to uh, episode five of uh, Searching for the Question Live. Um, with our usual rhythm, we do each day dedicated to a different theme uh, in a loop. And you are welcome suggesting new themes so that the chain of days gets enriched with various things that have been suggested by you. We are streaming live simultaneously on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitter. And as you send your questions, I will be able to look at them, answer them, and have an interaction uh, between us. Uh, I am um, also looking forward to uh, receive suggestions offline. You are welcome to subscribe uh, and follow uh, me on these uh, various channels or others. Uh, David Orban is uh, easy and uh, I will most likely be the one that you find as you search for me uh, wherever. The theme today is COVID-19 as it was uh, three days ago. And it is likely to be a recurring theme that is worth mentioning for uh, several more days. Unsurprisingly, uh, because this uh, is uh, a uh, uh, issue that we have to uh, deal with, uh, all of us. And the first time I described you my own experience, what it was like uh, to uh, live uh, with uh, COVID-19 in the very epicenter of the pandemic in Bergamo, Italy, uh, and how important I felt it was for me to have you uh, uh, reach my message and uh, uh, understand uh, that it is fundamental to uh, implement physical distancing uh, in your community uh, in order to make sure that as few people get infected, that as few people get seriously ill, and that the health uh, system doesn't break down, as it happened in Lombardy. Uh, it is astonishing because of how advanced uh, the Italian healthcare system is, but if you go to a hospital uh, today in Lombardy, uh, you have... Uh, uh, an over 30% chance of dying. Uh, and um, you don't want the same to happen in, in, in your own community. So uh, what uh, I wanted is uh, to uh, invite somebody to talk together uh, about broader perspectives of what is happening, for example, around COVID-19 in other countries, such as South Africa. Uh, before uh, having uh, Abe Cambridge, who is my guest uh, today, share his uh, perspective, I wanted to um, show you uh, what is a, a, a wonderful country. And uh, I am not uh, going to, of course, uh, show you the safaris uh, uh, or the uh, 
uh, incredibly rich and uh, uh, fascinating uh, cities of uh, Cape Town or Johannesburg. Uh, but uh, I just want to show you the map of Africa because some of you may not admit it, but you don't even very much know where South Africa is. Um, some of you may not realize that Africa is a huge continent. Uh, Europe is uh, a tiny angle here, corner, if we wanted to uh, overlap the, the, the two continents. Africa is so big that uh, North America, South America, uh, China, uh, Europe can easily fit inside Africa uh, if uh, you want to um, you want to uh, uh, put it uh, that way. In the meantime, I welcome Emiliano uh, from Italy, who is uh, commending me for getting better in my directorial uh, accomplishments. Uh, yesterday, I was fumbling a little bit. Emiliano, you see I'm using uh, an overlay, um, learning new tricks every day. Uh, tomorrow, um, we will talk about uh, exponential technologies and, and uh, decentralization, but the day after we will talk about tools going back to software. So I will show you uh, how I'm doing these tricks as well. I uh, also welcome uh, Sushiant Zanganepur from uh, Canada. And uh, thanks for um, uh, wishing me uh, well, and, and wishing me to keep up uh, the productivity, and likewise. So, um, South Africa is, is an incredible place. Uh, Abraham Cambridge, uh, our guest uh, today, is, is not originally uh, South African, but he decided to move there to locate his startup, the Sun Exchange. Full disclosure, uh, I'm an investor in uh, Sun Exchange as well as I was on the board of directors until a few weeks ago, and I'm an advisor to the company as well as a proud owner uh, of the cells uh, that uh, Sun Exchange uh, installs uh, in in South Africa. Uh, so, Abe, uh, why don't you uh, turn on your camera and uh, let's uh, hear from you as well. Reveal yourself in your full beauty. Welcome, welcome to the show. Uh, so, uh, why don't why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Um, how did you end up in South Africa? What what are you doing there? And then we will uh, talk more specifically about uh, COVID nineteen in South Africa. Thanks, David. Sound check, all good. Perfect. So yeah, um, my, my background actually in, um, in academic terms is uh, in geography. Um, I'm a physical geographer from, my, uh, from university. I actually specialized in climate change science. So um, I started getting fascinated by the, the, the way the Earth's climate has changed over the eons, you know, from, the, from the birth of the planet to today, how, how radically different the, the world's environment has been. Um, and then I started to really dig down and realize what kind of an uncontrolled experiment the Earth's population is conducting on the Earth's different systems, whether it be the hydrological system or the atmospheric system, etc. Um, it, it really was quite alarming, um, the rate in which we are changing um, all, all different layers of, of our planet. So I then started getting into solar energy. Um, I did my master's degree 
um, in the science of climate change, I started focusing on solar energy systems and how they can be deployed into the built environment to enable businesses and communities to generate their own electricity um, in a decentralized manner, completely passively with no fueling costs. And once you've got the hardware built, you then have access to essentially free electricity for the longevity of that solar panel. But obviously I'm from the UK and um, for many of the, the benefits of, of being from Britain, um, access to sunshine is not one of them. Um, and the, the UK government in about 2010, 2011, were subsidising solar power, which enabled that industry to grow. And this around the same time I was starting my first business, which was a solar installation company. Um, but then when the UK government did a U-turn, um, they started to, to take subsidies out of renewables and start subsidising fracking um, and various other fossil fuel access. Um, so I decided actually this, the future for solar energy is not in the UK, it's in a sunny country in the world. Um, I applied for a job in Australia where my sister had relocated um, and uh, just so happened that the company I was applying for a job with um, cancelled the position in, in Sydney, Australia and uh, created a position in Cape Town. So I got a call from, uh, from my old employer at DNVGL saying why not move to Cape Town and start building out the solar um, division of our engineering um, out of Cape Town. I, I took the job, moved here, um, and then realized that actually the, the issues that South Africa as a country, in fact, all emerging markets faces far, far exceeds the issues which the um, developed economies um, face. So, for example, in, in more advanced economies, you're kind of persuading people to switch from uh, an energy system which is perfectly well built, it works, it runs, it's affordable, um, and it's reliable. Um, and you're persuading people to switch to, to solar. But when you come to somewhere like South Africa, where the electric grid doesn't actually work very well, um, it's getting increasingly expensive by about 10% a year. And then you deploy a technology like solar energy into a country like that, it's a remarkable breakthrough. Um, you can now deploy energy systems to on any level, whether it be a remote village, a remote community, or a, an operating business up to a mine or even a city in South Africa or any other emerging market much faster and a much lower cost than deploying conventional centralized fossil fuel production. So it's a kind of a convergence of my understanding of solar energy systems, but also the socio-economic issues around energy and energy access that really drove me to create Sun Exchange. So within about three months of being here, I realized that if you, if you connect the universal desire for the world to transition away from fossil fuels using a blockchain payment system, um, you can then create this peer-to-peer -peer solar panel micro-leasing engine, um, which is the Sun Exchange, which allows anyone anywhere in the world to own a solar panel that's located in the sunniest places on earth, such as here in South Africa, lease those solar panels to businesses and communities and earn an income from them. And, and that's what we set up, set up in 2015. And uh, here we are in 2020, and we've just produced two gigawatt hours of electricity. That is that is wonderful. And uh, when I learned, uh, I think uh, four years ago uh, about uh, Sun Exchange, for me it was very exciting because it was really at the intersection of so many independently exploding trends. Uh, on one hand, uh, renewable energy. On the other hand, uh, the decentralized uh, and globally connected enthusiasm. Uh, with which people could support uh, projects wherever they were, 
originally spearheaded by the likes of uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo, but that specialized platforms like Sun Exchange could implement as well in a different but equally powerful manner. And of course, also uh, blockchain because uh, Sun Exchange incorporates the ability uh, of paying for the sales uh, in Bitcoin as well as receiving the uh, uh, payments uh, that uh, the uh, sales uh, generate uh, over the course uh, uh, of the contracts uh, in Bitcoin as well, which can be uh, taken out or reinvested circularly yeah, uh, and, in, and, in an exponential and, and, fashion. And in microscopic units. I mean, before cryptocurrency technology came along, there was no way you could transmit a hundredth of a US cent from one person on earth to another. Completely unfeasible. We didn't even think about it. You would, there'd be no point even considering it. And now it's possible. And uh, and uh, it is possible to buy a, a sell on Sun Exchange for as little as uh, uh, ten euro or ten dollars, uh, and earn uh, the benefit of the ownership of of that sell over the course of uh, ten years, and uh, to to know that uh, that kind of uh, financial upside is not going to be eaten up. Uh, by intermediaries, uh, by banking fees, by wire transfer fees, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and, and not only that, I mean, what, what, we, what we're actually offering people to, to do is become a solar power generator. I mean, you come to the sunexchange.com, you buy a solar panel, it's installed. You are now generating electricity from your computer, from wherever you are in the world. Um, so you're now uh, contributing energy to the world's uh, networks um, and, and, and solar power businesses that, are, that, that require that energy. Um, and it's all done from a, from a computer and it's done a click of a button. Um, no, no, no before has this technology allowed such a thing to happen. Now, now today's uh, conversation is not about the Sun Exchange, but I cannot but uh, ask you also another question. Uh, what, what is your pipeline? Uh, because, uh, yes, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, different uh, places that would like uh, solar panels in South Africa, but uh, isn't uh, demand a limiting factor? Um, the, the demand is, is enormous. I mean, the, there's so many unelectrified communities um, in the, on the continent, and a lot of businesses are running generators from diesel fuel, which is very, very expensive. And the energy networks themselves are uh, very um, dilapidated. They were built a long time ago and not been upgraded. So there's this desperate need to upgrade the network, but the governments are just too broke to be able to, to build it themselves. Um, they're very reluctant to go to the, the, the private sector because most of the utilities in Africa are publicly owned, um, but just badly run. So um, unfortunately this means for businesses that they have to rely on producing their own electricity, uh, but for businesses that don't have access to capital or don't wish to deploy their own capital into running a generator, they're kind of um, or buying their own solar power system. They're just forced to, to, to buy diesel fuel and un unreliable electricity from the grid. And that's where science change comes in. I think just one point I was actually going to add previously was um, what we've actually created is, is actually kind of a new asset class. I mean, the ability to own a solar panel that's producing electricity, that's not impacted by the world's markets. So even in the past you know, past month, we've seen absolute turmoil in, in across the markets, across the board, our solar panels are still producing the same amount of electricity that they ever have done. Um, and that's electricity being sold at the same price. So um, this is almost like a new safe haven. It's a new, it's a new way to, to have yourself a, it, as, as a source of passive income uh, that's actually almost completely removed from uh, the global markets.
so uh, as we look at uh, South Africa, uh, the the fact that uh, the coronavirus uh, is is now uh, there uh, uh, is important. It is is what prompted us to have the the conversation today, uh, and uh, uh, this is an article uh, from uh, South Africa. Um, SABC, I don't know what BC stands for. Um, Broadcasting Corporation. Okay, SABC uh, News uh, uh, Online. Uh, 554 uh, cases of uh, COVID-19. Uh, uh, luckily, nobody died yet. Uh, and uh, what is the, the feeling on the ground? Uh, what uh, do you feel and, and what uh, do your fellow country people feel? Hmm. Very interesting question. What do I feel? Um, I think it's, I mean, we, we, if, until now we've kind of been positioned at the bottom of Africa, kind of watching the world unfold as this, as this horrific um, chain of events has, has, has unfurled. And we've kind of been watching it from afar, but, but now it's here um, and we're now experiencing for ourselves. It's, it's, it's actually quite surreal. Um, it's like I've been watching a sci-fi movie um, online, like a kind of a real-time reality sci-fi film, and now it's actually be become real from where I'm sat. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the mood on the street is somewhat, somewhat apprehensive. Um, I think um, the, the health system in South Africa is very divided. Um, you have a private health sector and a public health sector. Uh, the public health sector serves a, far, by far the majority of the population of South Africa, um, many of which are malnourished, um, large cases of many, many cases of HIV um, and tuberculosis. So the, the actual health of South Africans generally is quite poor. Um, that malnutrition is very common, especially in the young. Um, so you know, it is actually a, an absolute catastrophe waiting to happen if this uh, virus were to spread. And I think everybody knows it. Uh, but at the same time, um, levels of unemployment in South Africa are huge. Um, and it's not like in this country, people live paycheck to paycheck. People in this country, most people live day to day. You know, they're trying to get enough money together to survive a day. So, bit, so economic interruption, even for a week, um, could cause ab absolute mayhem. Um, you know, the, the country is basically uh, on thin ice it is easy economically. Um, and therefore, any, any breakdown in, in, uh, in, in further job losses and, um, and businesses, it could, could be very, very devastating. But uh, the government has just taken a big, big view on locking down the country on Thursday for 21 days. Uh, so uh, if we look at uh, the global map uh, of the world, um, it uh, looks like uh, everything is happening in Europe now, uh, where there are many blobs because there are many countries. And uh, this uh, uh, chart, uh, this, this map uh, represents uh, each country with its individual blob. Uh, but of course, we know that uh, uh, China, which is the largest, is the one that is growing uh, uh, the least, uh, or actually it is not growing uh, uh, at all. Mm. Uh, and, and the United States is now the one that is going, growing the, the fastest. Uh, and South Africa, uh, with its uh, 500 uh, uh, plus uh, cases, would seem not much. And, and I think what is very important for everybody to understand, if, if they haven't yet, is that once uh, in a given country, 
there is local transmission uh, that has been detected, it means that there has been local transmission for the past two weeks. So the number of undetected cases is probably 10 times as much than the cases that have been detected, because as of right now, nobody in the world is able to um, test each person. Uh, these are just uh, samples. Even more, uh, the, uh, the, the people who are sick is because they realized they are sick and they went to a doctor to say they are sick and then they, they were tested. So um, in South Africa right now, there are probably 5,000 or 10,000 cases. And once this process starts, it has the same shape everywhere in the world. The chart that I am showing now has been um, generated uh, based on the data uh, from World uh, of Meters that shows in this last column the number of cases uh, uh, that uh, um, are um, uh, in a given country uh, per million uh, uh, residents. And uh, the, the data is, uh, uh, is such that if you um, go to the previous chart I've shown, the transmission rate from one infected person to two, three more uh, that, that the infection is spreading through is what fuels this exponential growth. And, and here in, uh, uh, in the vertical axis, we have the number of people per million inhabitants that are infected. And in the horizontal axis, horrible dictum, horrible to say, compared to Italy, what is the number of days that any given country is behind? The assumption being that the number of people infected per million inhabitants after a month will reach Italy, right? So that is what, uh, what we are looking at, unless, of course, the draconian physical distancing measures that have been put in place by the Chinese are not also adopted by a given country. So the article that I, that I uh, uh, showed before says that, that the lockdown is, is starting in a couple of days from, the May, uh, from March 26 uh, for three weeks. And, and so what, what's your comment on, uh, on that, uh, Abe? Uh, is the lockdown going to be, for example, strict enough? And is the lockdown going to be respected by the people who, who should uh, uh, comply with it? Well, in 24 days, we'll find out. Um, but, uh, I think fundamentally, one, I think firstly, just a, just a, a, a commentary on, on the graphs you just showed. Um, interesting, you're referring to cases per million. Um, a really interesting stat, which I was looking at today, is number of tests per million of the population. Um, the, and the United States is currently on about 125 tests per million population in America. Um, and it's only from those tests you even know you've got a case. 
Um, I think the UAE, the United, United Arab Emirates, is far in the lead in the world. I think they've tested something like 12,000 people per, per million uh, for testing for corona. And then if you look at the countries with no reported cases of, of corona, there's some obvious ones like you know Tuvalu and Vanuatu in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. But then you've got countries like Mozambique and Botswana and Mali, like big African countries with no reported cases, but that's because they just not have tested anybody. So again, it's, as you just said, it's, it's far more likely that there's tenfold more people who are actually carrying the virus than are reported. So that's just one comment on that. And the second case, so uh, in regards to lockdown and, and will it be effective and the impacts of it, um, I, I'm pre pretty sure that most people will observe it. Um, I think people have now seen the impacts around the world of people uh, who, um, for example, in Italy um, or, or countries which responded later into the realization that this is a real issue. Um, I think South Africa is some, somewhat an advantage there to, to have seen the impacts. However, the economic impacts of it are going to be extraordinary. And I think the government know that. I mean, I, I was in two minds a couple of days ago thinking, are the government actually going to do an economic lockdown um, and, and just let and let people die? Um, it's, it's, you know, you, you, it's either one or the other, um, really, uh, or, or there's a middle ground. But I think what's going on now is that there is a, an enforcement going on, but the a number of... Um, allowances on the lockdown is actually quite broad so for example if you work in the energy sector if you work in the water sector food production sector um, uh, you are allowed out you're allowed to your work you're allowed to do your job um, but it's within very very specific um, sectors which they perceive to be critical to running the economy um, supermarkets obviously included um, as are our self-employed electricians and builders and workers and, and people who work on building sites when you when you include all those people, that's still a very 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 large population, which is not therefore applied by the lockdown. So there is a lockdown, unless you are of these categories. But those categories are very broad. But if they were to have a full lockdown, then the economic consequences of which would be absolutely devastating. Um, so they have to have somewhat of the economy running on like uh, silent running, um, you know, kind of uh, red alert, vital services only. Um, but actually. Where, where, that, where that frame is placed and how many people could position themselves in that frame is yet to be seen. I mean, I mean Sun Exchange, we are deploying energy into a country which uh, the energy network could collapse at any minute. So theoretically, we are also classified in that, in that, in that block where we're providing energy security. Uh, we're preventing load shedding. So we can carry on doing our work. Our solar installers should be able to go and carry on doing our solar installations. Uh, but, but where do you draw the line? Where's the net? Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's, that's pretty it. I mean, we've got 21 days to find out. Um, and, and David, I messaged you last night to ask you, um, we've got a 21 day, 21 day lockdown. How long have you been under lockdown? How long have you been in quarantine? Um, was it originally at 14 days, it was 21 days, and, and then it was extended? I mean, did, did they know when they put you under quarantine how long it was gonna go on for? Uh, well, when it was uh, announced originally, it was supposed to be uh, for a couple of weeks, and then they extended it. Uh, yeah. And uh, I believe it will be extended uh, further. Um, now, Italy may be an outlier, uh, also because uh, the, 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 the fatality rate uh, here uh, is huge. Uh, rather than the 3-4% uh, reported in China, uh, whether you trust their numbers or not, uh, and the incredibly uh, low fatality rate being reported in Germany, uh, here, the fatality rate is over 10%. 10% um, of the 
uh, of the uh, healthcare professionals are infected, which is, of course, hair-raisingly dangerous because uh, it means on one hand that they were not protected enough as they were working, and on the other hand that the ability of the uh, healthcare system to provide for the ill is uh, is also being impacted by by those uh, uh, those people being sick. Uh, the compliance of the people uh, is uh, pretty good. Uh, I don't know if you can uh, read uh, uh, the numbers uh, that I'm showing. Uh, this is a uh, data uh, compiled uh, at the roadblocks. Uh, there are roadblocks all over the country. Uh, you are not supposed uh, to leave your house if not for grocery shopping or for those jobs that are permitted based on the infrastructural exceptions as being uh, essential uh, uh, or for urgent health uh, issues. And uh, if you are stopped uh, and uh, the roadblock doesn't accept uh, your reasons, you were fined for 200 euro. Now the fine is 5,000 euro. Uh, and uh, uh, you could be uh, uh, criminally prosecuted with up to three months uh, jail if uh, you uh, uh, broke the physical distancing measures, but if you broke the quarantine, so you were under quarantine and you broke that, the uh, imprisonment uh, is until up to 12 years, right? So that's, so, so that's, if, you, that's if you're known to be infected and you break yeah, quarantine. That's okay. right. That's okay, right. so, you're, so you're knowingly going to go and infect Yeah, that's right. Um, and and, and uh, so at these roadblocks, over the course of the past three weeks, they did over one million checks. Over one million people were stopped. And uh, 95% of the cases, uh, it was okay for them to be on the road. Okay. It means that there were 5% who were non-compliant. Now, you could ask, okay, were the, were the uh, police or the military at the roadblocks too lenient or not? Whatever. We, we don't know. It's always hard, right? But this is anyway data that you can start from, and it would indicate that, that the people uh, have been and are uh, complying. Now, there are very favorable infrastructural um, reasons for this as well. 80% of the people in Italy own the houses they live in. They may still be paying mortgage, but uh, there are now measures for allowing the mortgages to be paid late without any uh, penalties, without any consequences. Right? I don't know exactly if those measures have already been enacted or they are they still debating them, but uh, uh, that is, is, is very, very favorable. Um, and, uh, and, and, and of course, uh, a lot of families have savings. So contrary to what you describe of uh, people going paycheck to paycheck or even day by day, they earn what they need to survive day after day, which is hair raising. Uh, here in, in Italy, uh, people have uh, savings in the bank and they can go on uh, probably two, three months, at least on average, uh, without too 
big of an issue. Uh, there is, of course, people who are poor. Um, the official poverty rate is around 10%, but uh, on average, uh, people people are wealthy. Um, and uh, and uh, Emiliano Morja, one of our um, listeners, followers, is saying that uh, it doesn't matter uh, because uh, the lockdown will have to be lifted no matter matter what sooner or later and 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 i agree with him uh, we can't go on like this for a year or two years uh, uh, until a vaccine is found and mass produced and every, everyone is uh, vaccinated so there will be a decision uh, made by each government when to decide and how to decide to lift the 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 draconianly restrictive measures that save lives but uh, damage the economy so i mean i i've got um i've got i've got one one question and one uh thought 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 piece on, on what that is on what you're referring to um i think firstly I mean, obviously, there's a concern that this becomes the norm. Um, will it actually end? Will it? Will this become business as usual? Um, will once there are such checks in place? I mean, will 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 there be such? Will there be a global paranoia of viruses, and therefore now on there will be checkpoints for testing people for viruses and making sure people have had vaccines before crossing borders? I mean, just as after after the September 11th attacks in 2001, um, it became the norm to have much higher levels of security at airports. I remember flying with a, with a Swiss Army knife in my pocket when I was 12. Um, and, uh, and now, of course, you can't get through with a bottle of water. So, I mean, it, do you think you know, the, the world as we know it is going to change from now on? There will always be further checkpoints and greater vigilance and paranoia around viruses. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I imagine even before going to an airport, you potentially could uh, have a, a UV wash. You have to be literally decontaminated before going in a building that could become the norm we don't know um so so yes i am i am thinking about these issues of course and we have to um uh, what we are doing is is uh uh understanding our planet at a finer detail than ever before and this fine-grained understanding and mapping now is resolving uh, a view that we didn't think we could or should care about at the level of bacteria and viruses. So should we embrace this knowledge or should we ignore it? I well, think we a, should definitely embrace it. That's, that's, that was my, that was my thought piece. <laughs> the second thing I wanted to comment on was actually, I mean, from a purely academic perspective, emotions aside, what we're able to now witness before our very eyes is what happens when you cut emissions drastically. Like air travel is basically coming to a halt. Um, manufacturing processes, car manufacturing is basically going to cease. We will see before our very eyes what will happen to atmospheric contaminants and the, the, the world's um, um, airstreams air when you just cease um, anthropogenic forcing. So what we what what environmentalists have been saying for years is don't fly unless you absolutely have to. Well, right now we're being forced to witness what happens when everyone stops flying, and we will see whether CO two, NO two, SO two oxide, and SOX um, 
levels come down and under what time period? And we will see if there's I, any I, impact of that. I, I, I know it's unfair, but uh, and, and we shouldn't be gloating, but wouldn't it be incredible to get into the minds of a no-vaxxer climate change denier now and 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 to to uh, inspect his or her thought processes assuming they have any and uh, and uh, see themselves ask the questions do i really not want my kids to be vaccinated against covid-19 or my mother uh, do i really not can, can i can i deny still that the brightening of the skies and the and the clearing of the waters is due to the fact that we people are not uh, clogging it up uh, the systems anymore so so certainly it's fascinating now assuming that we want to act uh, uh, on the knowledge that we are acquiring uh, the second step is the infrastructure layer that we will be deploying in order to be able to 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 do the acting and here uh, as as we are talking about pathogens and the knowledge about pathogens uh, i am looking at middle ages in europe where there were no no sewage systems and there would be the the night bowls emptied on the streets um, unthinkingly and it was absolutely the norm you would walk around in the unpaved uh, uh, streets um, or if, if the best probably was cobblestones and you would pay attention so that you wouldn't catch uh, the emptying of a, of a night bowl uh, uh, full of uh, urine and feces, shit and piss uh, from anybody. And then people uh, would get uh, cholera and would get uh, whatever other kind of uh, uh, of uh, uh, illness born by by human feces and they would not put the two and two together until finally we did and then we decided that it would better to deal with everything differently the water closet was invented the sewage systems were reinvented because the romans had it 2000 years ago and now we have a good understanding for example that uh, uh, surgeons have to wash their hands which which was also not something that until a uh, little more than 100 years ago people would do and one surgeon would uh, in fact uh, uh, the, the next patient uh, or or in the maternity wards uh, people would not wash their hands as they were helping one mother give birth and then the next. And there would be horrible infections uh, transmitted one to the other. So what is the infrastructure that we are going to put in place as a consequence of what is going on today? The ability to test in real time, not against one, but against hundreds of viruses and it will absolutely become the norm. And then after a while, we will not even be able to imagine that there was a time that people could enter a shopping center, an office building, 
uh, or or board an airplane, and and you wouldn't even know they could be infected. They would shed viruses by the millions, and we didn't know, and we did nothing about it. Can you imagine what a barbaric time? So so yes yes that is what we are gonna do, and of course the 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 the, the big question is. How can we stop this knowledge by from being abused by whoever will aim to abusing that knowledge uh, with with uh, uh, various things being put in place as a consequence of the panic today that give power to whatever branches of the government or new departments being uh, created? And then that power will never be relinquished. So, so definitely, that is uh, that is what we have to watch out against. Uh, don't don't forget, David. That the generally are people who believe that Bill Gates started this. You know, <laughs> they're, they're a bit, you know, so uh, so people will refuse a vaccine because they believe that this was a man-made thing and it's about population control, and that if you're asked to take a vaccine because it will make you uh, immune to viruses and your family immune they will refuse it because they believe they're being controlled and how, well well how, and, how and, and, and so, sorry sorry to to point fingers but in south africa if i am not mistaken uh, a, a lot of people believe that uh, that their manhood is impaired if they wear condoms uh, and uh, as a consequence they don't wear condoms and it is one of the reasons why hiv is so uh, massive a problem in south africa yeah, people can be very ignorant, and even if it is not politically correct, uh, it must be pointed out that ignorance kills uh, and, and knowledge empowers. Totally. Yeah. Uh, it's, and um, I think you were saying about climate change deniers, and um, you said another category, anti-vaxxers. You, uh, obviously, the, the bottom rung of that category is obviously the flat earthers. And... Um, you know, uh, I think. No, no. There, there was, there was a, a there, there was a tragic comic, uh, uh, fatal accident a few weeks ago, uh, of a flat earther in the U.S. Uh, wanting to uh, go in orbit, quotation marks orbit, because I don't know how you can orbit a, 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 a flat, uh, a flat um, circle, but, uh, but it. It has to be admired because he was scientific in his craziness. He wanted to verify his hypothesis, and he was too ready to die for his his uh, scientific uh, assumption or belief. Right? He got to thirteen thousand feet because he got to six thousand feet on his first attempt. He nearly broke his back at the age of sixty, and the flat Earth community crowdfunded using a crowdfunding platform. Um, his uh, his steam powered rocket to get him to thirteen thousand. So yeah, absolutely hats off to his um, dedication to to, dis to disproving his null hypothesis. <laughs> uh, uh, really, really tragic comic. Uh, Geo from Romania is asking, what if populist and nationalist regimes will accede to the power in most of the countries? Uh, I assume as a consequence of the panic induced and and the restrictive. Uh, uh, measures uh, that that uh, are believed uh, to be necessary now. Um, what what is the political climate in South Africa around uh, 
COVID-19. Um, uh, are elections uh, close by and, and will uh, the opposition seize uh, the necessarily imperfect uh, solution that the current government offers? There was, a, there was a general election last year, so you know, there's no elections on the horizon. Um, when, the, when the president came on TV yesterday to announce, um, well, on YouTube or whatever channel you're watching, um, came, came on to announce the, the, the lockdown, all the political parties stood up beside him and, and, and said, actually, you know, this is the correct thing to do. They know whatever they do, this is going to be damaging to the economy, but they have to do it to save human life. Um, no one's saying that it's, it's the wrong thing to do. Everyone knows it's the hard choice. Um, and no one was saying, you know, taking advantage of it for, for to, to get themselves up on the political ladder. It's, I think there's a general understanding that it's devastating. If we don't do something, um, if you allow the virus to spread, it's going to be absolutely catastrophic. And therefore, if you just lock the country down for a short space of time, then it will be catastrophic. I think there are, there are there could still concerns, of course, in that lockdown period, what happens? No one knows. Um, so I think the, the, the calling on us, therefore, as, us as individuals, as humans, to reach out with empathy um, for your neighbours, um, for your communities, and help people where you can, um, and not necessarily rely on government to, to to do and solve problems, but actually to address them individually and peer to peer. I think that's really where the power is going to be is in is in people um, putting together as as a humanity rather than as 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 political parties. Um, we will come back uh, uh, to COVID nineteen as a as a theme. Uh, on uh, um, searching for the question live. Uh, and yes, uh, one of the things that we will need to explore is what is the probability or the possibility that certain socioeconomic phase transformations may be accelerated by the crisis? Who would have thought that uh, uh, Trump will talk about universal basic income? which basically is what now he's uh, saying that uh, every American should receive a thousand dollars of uh, economic uh, support. Um, I don't think he's meaning it uh, uh, periodically, like every month, maybe just once. Uh, but already the fact that uh, the Republican government uh, is uh, contemplating parachuting cash on people uh, in order to help individuals is unprecedented. Uh, and uh, a lot of uh, financial uh, dogma are being uh, dismantled. Um, I wonder uh, what would happen if today or tomorrow uh, the European Central Bank or the Fed or China would launch a central bank digital currency, whether blockchain-based or not, in a borderless world like today, it could very rapidly spread around and create a new uh, crisis, uh, a financial crisis for those countries that want to maintain their financial independence from that solution or um, financial salvage for those countries that know that they cannot uh, managed by themselves. Um, so, uh, as we are uh, getting to the to the end of uh, uh, today's uh, show, uh, Abe, uh, I, I really want uh, to to thank you for sharing your perspective. Uh, I have uh, had the pleasure of uh, visiting you and 
and and uh, others uh, in South Africa, but there's so much more that uh, remains uh, to be seen. I don't know if in a month's time or in six months' time or whenever things will go back or <sighs> things will not go back. But whatever the new balance is going to be, yes, flights are going to be reestablished and, and I will want to come back to, to South Africa uh, to, to spend uh, time uh, again together. And, and I very much uh, agree with what you said. Uh, empathy, uh, human society, uh, a shared understanding of our uh, objectives uh, and challenges is a necessary starting point for solving today's problems, as well as to know that we have the uh, joint common power to solve those that will come tomorrow. Thank you, David. Thank you very much for being with us. And uh, thanks, uh, everybody, uh, Emiliano, Gail, uh, and uh, uh, Jonathan from Argentina. Uh, I offered Jonathan to, to come on the show but uh, he's going crazy with uh, a newborn and a, and a three-year-old uh, being in lockdown in an apartment in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And uh, he, he didn't feel like sharing the screams with us, evidently. Uh, Sushian and, uh, and uh, everybody else uh, who, who came uh, uh, to share their, their comments. Uh, Stefania, you are joining a bit uh, late. Uh, and uh, Chila from Hungary, uh, feel free to speak up, uh, send observations, questions, suggestions for uh, what we should talk about uh, the following days as well. Thank you very much and see you tomorrow. Ciao.